Well, it's great to be here this morning. Thank you for having me. Just uh, looking at the programme, uh, I was really pleased that I was first up and then next time is James Kennedy. James, I know James a little bit. He is outstanding. So do, uh, as Andrew said, you know, bring people next time. It'll be a brilliant, brilliant morning. Um, but it's lovely to join you. Thank you for welcoming us. I brought a few of my friends. I've got Joss and Sam and Sean is over there. Uh, Sean's only here because he's not playing rugby today. Um, and if you want to talk to Sean about rugby, talk about the spring box or talk about anything, and he'll keep you going for a while on that. Um, and um, I'm really excited this afternoon as Wolves will beat Manchester United, uh, which is my hope, prayer and longing. <laughs> Longing being the appropriate thing. Anyway, um, just to tell you a little bit about me, uh, I'm Chris, I am married to Nell, uh, we have a seven-year-old daughter, I'm, I'm, I love running, I'm running the London Marathon for the first time in April, um, I love running half marathons, I hate running marathons, uh, marathons as in this is the one I'll do and I will never do it again, uh, based on the training so far, um, I'm a fisherman and support the Mighty Wolves, and this is the best season of my entire life, if you follow any kind of football. <laughs> it's never been this good, and it'll probably never be this good again. Um, I, I don't know about you, how many of you are, are kind of people, who, when you, if you're going on a journey, or you're travelling somewhere, say you've got to catch a train or catch a plane, how many of you would be, I'm, I've got to be there plenty early, I've got to get there lots of times, just, just raise a hand, how many of you are kind of like that? Okay, how many of you are like... We'll be fine. Five minutes before, that's no problem. Five minutes after we're due to be there, that'll be all right. The train will be delayed or the plane will kind of have me on. Okay, I, I like to be there in, in places with plenty of time to spare. And a few years ago, I was um, going to Ireland. I, I'd been asked to go and speak at a, a conference over there, and I was really excited. Uh, it was leaving on a Sunday kind of lunchtime, so went to our first morning service at St Paul's, where I'm based in Ealing. And a friend of mine said, oh, I'll drive you down to Gatwick Airport to get the flight. And I thought, it'll be fine. Sunday, there'll be no traffic on the roads. Uh, so I left an hour and a half or so before my plane was due to leave. I was hand luggage only. It's going to be no problem, a breeze. Sit back in the car and relax. Uh, but I hadn't factored in the M25. So you kind of turn on the M25 and the traffic slows and stops and starts and stops and starts. And if you're familiar with that part from west down to south, is not a great bit of the uh, motorway there. And, and after a while, I'm thinking, this is getting close to time now in terms of getting to uh, the airport. And, and we just get round um, to the M23 to turn down towards Gatwick Airport. And they sh- literally, I can see the junction in front of me, and they shut the motorway. And at this point, I'm thinking, this is not good. I've been invited to speak. I've paid for my flight. And I'm looking on you know, my iPhone, how much is it going to cost to rebook a flight? And I couldn't get a flight to that airport. I had to get a flight to Dublin or to Belfast. And it was going to cost hundreds of pounds. And the kind of blood pressure's rising. The stress is getting there. And my friend, Phil, who's driving me, is is you know, going quieter and quieter as I'm getting louder and louder as kind of our personalities. And then they open the motorway and we drive extremely fast and it's Phil's responsibility as the driver, so if he gets a speeding ticket, I don't care. But we're, we're getting to Gatwick and, and I arrive we, at the drop-off point for Gatwick kind of uh, departures, 15 minutes before my, plan, my gate's due to shut. I'm thinking this is going to be close, but I'm always up for a challenge, so grab my bag and sprint as fast as I can into the airport. Uh, and um, get into the airport. I'm thinking I've only got a hand, I've got nothing to check in, so it's straight to security, uh, and I get to security, and this is the moment. I, I'm, I'm thinking I've got eight minutes to get to my gate, and there's this huge queue, 
you know, as you go through all of the checks and the kind of scans. So I just stopped and I yelled in the middle of security, help me, help me, somebody help me. <laughs> it's amazing how many people move quickly. Gatwick security, when someone yells, help me, help me, somebody help me. When they realised that, A, I wasn't under threat or a threat, things got a little bit better. They, they, they got me through to kind of um, through uh, the security a bit quicker. I, uh, I'm an idiot, and I packed my wash stuff in my hand luggage. Of course, there's liquids. Would you like the liquids? I'm, and everything now is at a high volume. You ever had that point where you just everything's so stressful, you can't talk normally? It's like, would you, would you like your shower gel? No, it's fine! Um, I'm not cross. I'm just desperate to get to the gate. And uh, see, seven minutes now, six minutes now, and through security. And then, you know, have you ever been through Gatwick security and you go through the duty free and there's no straight line? You're running round like this. I'm like, for goodness sake, I'm, you know, fast as I can go, thinking all of my running training coming into being now. I'm still not quick enough. And then I got into kind of depart- the departure lounge area and just yelled, Where's my gate? as if anyone there could help me. <laughs> And, and I find my gate, and I'm sprinting down, and this is family of five. You're blocking the way, and I'm like, get out of the way. But I'm, I'm going to speak at a Christian conference, so I can't shout at people on the way. That would be terrible. So I kind of shout in my head, and then run past them, and sprinting down. And I, I get to the gate, and the plane's delayed by five minutes. So I praise the Lord. Sat down. It's July. I've got sweat pouring down my face. I must look an absolute wreck. I barely breathe. About 15 minutes later, we're still sat in the departure lounge. This family of five wander in, like totally relaxed. Like, life is good. Sit down, continue there. I'm like, how do you do that? I'm stressed out of my brain. There's nothing I can do. I just remember, I come back time and time again to that moment in security where I felt totally powerless, utterly helpless. I had, there was no way I could do. I just stand there in the middle of that place and just yell, help me, help me, somebody help me. Just moments in life like that, aren't there? You just feel like I, there's nothing I can do in this moment to help myself. There's nothing I can do to change my circumstances. If I hadn't yelled, help me, I would have missed my flight. I'm absolutely sure of that. The queue was huge. Now, it might have been embarrassing, or it was embarrassing, or at that point, I didn't care, but it was, it was awkward. It was a moment of uh, everyone knew that I was in trouble. Everyone knew that I hadn't planned my journey very well. I was confessing to my weakness. Not there was much of a weakness. It was the M25's fault. Absolutely. <laughs> Never mind the fact that I could have left way earlier. But there's just a moment in life. A moment, at a moment, I just had to yell, help me, help me. Somebody help me. You know, we, we know in life sometimes there are seasons where we feel powerless, helpless and weakness. Um, when I became a dad, we adopted our daughter uh, a few years ago. And I remember the... Um, the kind of we first moment I met her, but then when she came home to be with us, and that moment when suddenly everyone left, and it's you know some of us have experienced that with babies or with children, you're just like, what do you do? Like what do you do? So I'm thinking, I can't just put the TV on. I know that's bad parenting. I've, I've learned that much so far. You know what do you do? Those moments we feel powerless, moments we feel helpless, or maybe moments we feel weakness, whether it's at work with a really difficult relationship with our boss or with a colleague and we just feel powerless to do anything about it. We don't know what to do. Maybe we, we, we feel crippled inside and we don't have the confidence to step out and say something or we just feel like, I don't know how to do this. With family, you know, challenges with, with children or in married life or in relationships, you know, we, we feel powerless or helpless or 
week. Worries about our money. There's too much month for the money that we have coming in. That experience we have where it's like, can I get away with a little bit of overdraft this month? And that seems to creep up and up and up and the stress levels rise. Or when it comes to faith and, and just life throws stuff at us and our faith is tested or our doubts grow bigger and we ask those questions, we don't know how to get out of that situation. Or, or our mental or emotional health, just the darkness feels like it's getting darker. We just don't know how to do it. How do we get from that point other than sh- shouting, help me? Help me, somebody help me. Paul, um, the Apostle Paul, who wrote uh, this amazing passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, a letter to a church that was attacking him, effectively, and questioning who he was. And he, he gives this list of things. He basically says, I'll boast in my weakness. Let me tell you about all the things I'm not good at, all the things in my life that have been a challenge. And he lists this incredible list, which makes me look at that and think, goodness, I have it easy. But at the end of that long passage in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and, and chapter 12, he says this, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. And I, I, just for a few moments, want to answer the, look at the question, what, is it possible to, be strength, to find strength in our weakness? I don't want to go down the old kind of characterizations that, you know, we don't want to be weak as men and all that stuff. I don't think that's necessarily true. Maybe it is for some of us. Maybe we do find admitting our weakness difficult. But maybe we've come to the point, metaphorically speaking, where we just have to yell, help me, help me, somebody help me. And we don't know how to do it. Jesus said this, um, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel like you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Um, Another version of that. Blessed are the spiritual zeros, the spiritually bankrupt, deprived and deficient, the spiritual beggars, those without a wisp of religion. The kingdom of heaven is coming for you. Love that. In our weakness, in our weakness, God meets with us. We don't want to get to the point in life when we acknowledge our weakness, when we hit rock bottom. And that does happen, doesn't it? When sometimes in life it unravels for us. Whether that's uh, uh, an addiction or a tragedy or something that comes to us and we, we're suddenly faced starkly with the weakness that we have. Or maybe others make us aware of our weaknesses. I have, um, you know, I'm reminded by my daughter if I'm sat at the dinner table on my phone. Daddy, get off your phone. Those moments when suddenly we're, we're challenged about how we live or how we act. And that's not always comfortable, is it? That's an appraisal at work or someone who speaks into our lives. Our eyes are suddenly open. But there's also a point where we just have this sense of honest humility. I can't do life on my own. Help me, help me, somebody help me. And there are two things, I think, two ways in which we find strength in that place of weakness. Two ways, I think, that Paul uh, knew strength in weakness because all of us let's be honest will have a moment or have had moments where we've needed to or have cried out help me help me somebody help me that first place of where the first place where strength comes strength comes from in our weakness is God himself um alluded to this a little bit but one of the biggest challenges that we face my wife and I face as a a family is the challenge of infertility is not being able to have our own children 
And, um, you know, you get married and everything's really exciting. And then you think, after oh, a couple of years, oh, we're going to start a family. And the family doesn't start. We were really good at the practicing. That went really well. And I still enjoy that. But it was just that, that kind of moment. Of, it wasn't the kind of fruit that we were hoping for. And over the years, that heartache grew, became this, this huge place of pain. When month after month, friends would have their first, their second, their third, and even their fourth and we'd still not been able to get pregnant. Um, we have a beautiful daughter. She is the answer to all of our prayers. She is not second best. She is not, oh, well, we couldn't work that way. We went this way. Please don't hear me say that in the slightest. But there were moments that nearly broke us. Um, I remember one summer we had some dev- devastating storms. It was just about 12 years ago. And our house was filled with flood water. We had about three foot of water in our hu- down- downstairs in our home for about five days. It wasn't the best kind of start to the summer holidays. Um, and we had to move out into temporary accommodation. And then later on, uh, early in the autumn, we suddenly discovered one Friday morning that Nell was pregnant, which was a wonderful shock and a total surprise, as that had not been our story for the previous number of years. We went round to our best friends and we were just in shock. We're like, what do we do? And began to celebrate. But later that day, tragically, we lost a baby. Now lost a baby. And we'd lost our home. We'd lost our stuff. We'd lost in a dream, come alive and die within the space of a few hours. And life just felt like that's just cruel. Taking that gut punch. How do you deal with stuff like that? Now, others of you have got stories of bereavement or grief or relationships that are broken down, or work that's just been disappointing, or something you'd long for that hasn't happened. It was hugely painful for us. Where's, where's, where do we find strength in that moment of weakness? Because when Paul boasts about his weaknesses, he talks about tragedy in his life. He talks about those who've abandoned him, and that's a bit the betrayal that hurts. He talks about shipwrecks, and in other words, when, when the, the natural forces of the world have, 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 have almost cost him his life. Where's strength in weakness then? And for me, I made a choice. For us, we made a choice. I used to, I had a dog called Jack and, and would take him away from any built up areas of housing where we were currently lived. I'd walk him in the middle of a field and I would, I, I made a choice. I said, God, I'm just going to worship you even though it hurts. I'm going to sing to you even though it hurts. And I would go away and I would worship and pray. There were two or three songs that meant a lot to me. And I would just repeat those songs over the course of 20 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the morning, walking my dog. I would weep, I would cry out to God, I would get angry, I would shout, hence being as far away from built-up areas as possible. <laughs> but I kept clinging on to God, a daily choice that I made. And the daily choice was like, I had to take Jack for a walk, otherwise he would mess the house. So that's my, I had no choice to get out. What do I do with that time when I'm out? Well, I call out to God. And I discovered in that moment, I think, if I'm honest, that choice enabled me to keep going. I got counselling, support, friends who prayed for me, all of the stuff that we need to do alongside that. But in terms of faith, I found strength in the midst of weakness. And the Bible is a story about David and his men. Uh, In 1 Samuel chapter 30, David and his men have been on the run for years, being persecuted by Saul. He's after them, wants to kill them. They return to their camp and they suddenly find that all of their wives and children have been kidnapped. It's the final straw. Sometimes in life those come, don't they? Final straw. And David is broken. The men are so distraught, they turn on him. They're going to kill him. They're like, you are the source of our pain. And suddenly David 
is on his own, with no friends, no support, what does he turn to? And this lovely verse, it says this, 1 Samuel 30, verse 7, David found strength in the Lord his God. In the midst of that situation, David did what he always did, which he clung to God. He sought the Lord and asked for wisdom. He asked for strength. He asked for courage. What's the next step? Where do I turn? You see, whether we're here today and we've got faith, I'm not assuming that everyone here in the room is regular at church or whatever else. Maybe you all are. But if we don't have faith, God is still for us. You see, you don't have to have it all sewn up to ask for help and God to provide it. In fact, my experience has been that it doesn't matter where we are in terms of how we describe our faith, is that when we call out to God for help, God hears us. Help me, help me, somebody help me. Maybe for others of us, we, we've been journeying with God for ages, but no one really knows what's going on inside. But God does. David found strength in the Lord is God. He knew that where his source of life and strength was, and that was in his heavenly father. It came because David, over the years, had had to seek God for strength. When he was, a, when he was the youngest of however many brothers, I always forget, I think it's seven, um, but I could be wrong. I did study theology for a while, please forgive me. But he had all these older brothers who basically, he was the run to the family, he was left out, he was treated badly by his brothers, spoken down to. Where does he find strength? He finds strength in the Lord his God. As he's on the hillside looking after the sheep on his own, as he faces the darkness and the hardship that that brought, he found strength in the Lord his God. And there's strength for us today in the Lord our God, because God loves us. Strength comes from knowing that he loves us, that he's with us, that he walks alongside us. And whether it's you've got a dog that you can take for a walk, or whether it's you've got a 15-minute train ride, or whether you've got some space in your day where you can sit and just be reminded that God is with you. It's getting the scriptures, starting to read the Bible. I began reading the Bible before I became a Christian. I wish someone had told me to start in the Gospels at that point, because it was a bit hard work when I got to Leviticus from Genesis. But, um, you know, just getting the Bible, it tells the story of God at work. See, the Bible isn't like a kind of textbook. It doesn't tell you, like, when suffering comes, this is what you do. Or this is why bad things happen to people. Or this is why the world is the way it is. It tells stories. And it's as we read the stories that we see God at work in the lives of individuals and suddenly we think, well, maybe God could be at work in my life in the same way. We also pray for a different kind of power. David found strength, he found power in the midst of weakness. Paul says, God spoke to Paul and said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. What power is that? It's the power of the Spirit that brings inner strength. That's the same power that Paul prayed that the Ephesian church would have, his other church community would have. They'd know the power of the love of God at work within them, poured into their hearts. That's what God does when we're weak. He doesn't come to make us superheroes. He comes to strengthen our inner being. That actually, that when all outside us, the battle feels like it's raging, inside we know something of the goodness and the love and the power of God. But it's not just about me and someone else. We don't do this in a vacuum, do we? See, both Paul and David had strength from others. Help me, help me, somebody help me. We cry to God, but we also cry that out to others. Help me, help me, somebody help me. There are always others for us. Have you ever thought that? There have been moments where you just feel like I'm on my own. No one gets me. No one understands my situation. But... You know, and, and we know that for men particularly, the, 
the issues around depression and darkness that can sometimes fall upon us can feel overwhelming. Some of us know that well. But there are always others for us. Well, there are others in this room who are for you. There are others in your church family who are for you. There are people who are for you. You are never on your own. It's a lie. Loneliness is built on a lie, a lie that we need to say, do you know what we want to be as a church family? That there are always people for you. That's why community matters so much. That's why gathering together matters so much. If you look at um, Moses, uh, Aaron and Hur held his arms as he prayed. He couldn't do it on his own. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, God didn't answer his prayer, or the first part of his prayer there. Father, if it's, you know, take this cup of suffering from me. That didn't happen. But not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is able to pray that. Why? He's got three friends who were supposed to be praying with him. They weren't the best friends at that point, but, you know, they were still there. He leant on others. If Jesus needs to lean on others, how much more might we need to? Paul. There's always a list of people who are with Paul. Timothy, Silas, Mark, Barnabas, Priscilla and Aquila. And I think in times of my own life, I remember I was a youth worker for a number of years, and I've been in, we've been a year without a vicar, uh, and as the senior staff member, age 25, 26, responsible for all sorts of stuff, um, I was leading a team, carrying a bigger workload, then suddenly I had a new boss. Um, some close friends of mine, some of my best friends, went through a hugely serious relationship challenge in their marriage. Our best friends, uh, we were their main support. Um, my parents moved from being three miles down the road to 200 miles away. Uh, alongside this, we had some significant challenges in terms of our health. In terms of that, we were still in the midst of all of the baby stuff, which was kind of weighing us down. I'd worked solidly for a year, and at the end of the year, I just thought, I am done. Just that exhaustion. I remember, I remember driving back from a meeting uh, in, uh, in Birmingham, driving down to where I lived at the time in Gloucestershire, sitting in a kind of school youth group that I was running, and just not really being there. Just like there were people in the room. I remember it. I remember people being in the room, but me not really being there. And I remember ringing a, a trusted mentor and just said, help me, help me, somebody help me. I'm knackered. I don't know if I can do this. And I remember saying to him, the first time I wrote, this is classic kind of me, I rang him up and said, well, I'm just having a bit of a tough time, things are a bit busy, just any kind of suggestions of what I could do. And he was like, it was great, he gave me some pointers. I rang him a day later and went, no, I'm, I'm quitting tomorrow, what do I do now? <laughs> could come to the end of myself, finally had some sense to say how it really was. I think that phone call saved me from burnout. That's how important a friend can be, another guy to speak to. And we've been through this as a family. My wife was diagnosed with cancer just before Christmas and, and she's been through surgery and chemo and, and she's amazing. I, me less so, I think. But she's amazing. Um, and that tough season. And this, uh, recently I was sat with a good friend. This was just before Christmas. And again, the same thing. We're talking about work and ministry and life and, and everything within me is like, I just need someone to talk to. It took me an hour and a half. How hopeless am I? An hour and a half. He went out of the room, and, and I, remember, I remember thinking, if I don't say something now, I never will. And I thought, this is pretty serious. So suddenly he comes back in the room, and he, and, and he sat down, and I went, I just want to say I'm not doing okay. I'm not okay. Help me, help me. Somebody help me. And in that moment, suddenly a friend comes alongside. Suddenly someone begins to pray for you. Someone uh, walks with you. Yeah, we need others who are going to hold our arms in prayer. We need others who are going to walk with us. We need others who are going to pray and fast for us. We need to know that there's not just help from God, there's strength in God, but God also works through his people.
in this room there are one another that we can lean upon. That's the model of scripture for those of us who follow Jesus. We are given the gift of others as well as the gift of God's presence. Help me, help me, somebody help me. That might not resonate with you this morning. You might be, the life is flying fine and you're doing brilliantly. Well, I bet there's someone nearby you who isn't. Maybe you can be the one who holds someone's arms up. Maybe you can be the one who doesn't take the first response. How are you doing? I'm fine. Really? Come on, let's be real. You can be that friend to someone else. Or maybe you're here this morning and actually it does, you do know that you need strength in weakness. That you, you feel that weakness and it's kind of, what do I do? Well, know the strength from God. Part of offering prayer ministry is we combine the two together. Just an opportunity to be prayed for. And, and, and Sean and, and Joss and Sam would love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. And I'm sure there are others here who would too. If that's something you'd like, we'd love to offer that. But we need to be others for our friends, our church family and our neighbours. We need to point people to the strength that's found in God. I think, um, I think that actually we have a, there's a challenge for us when we do feel weak, and I'll finish with this, we do feel weak, is that we are worried that to admit it is to find greater weakness. It's as if people will go, I always knew that about you. But that's, that again, what we find is at the end of our rope that God steps in. At the end of ourselves, there's power beyond us. At the end of ourselves, there are others who come alongside us. And time after time after time, in my experience of being in that place or of being someone to someone else in that place, is seeing God at work. So friends, we need to leave here with hope today. The opportunity to know the strength and love of God. The opportunity again to connect with others who can walk with us wherever we might be. Can I pray for us? Would that be okay?